0: I don't think it does us very much good to kind of brush off those questions or kind of like put them on the shelf, as you said. It is it is important for us to kind of change how we view that conflict because if, we, if we're if we just actively trying to avoid the wrestling aspect, I think it puts us in a position to where we're not learning and we're not learning. And I think as a result, I, I think it can make it difficult for us to Continue to grow our
1: relationship with God. It is time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. And uh, I am also excited to be able to share this episode with you. Uh, I'm going to be visiting with Zach Wright. And you probably are like, I don't know who Zach Wright is. I don't either. We are going to experience learning about Zach Wright uh, together in the next uh, 45 minutes to an hour's worth of time. Here is what I do know. He is uh, friends or at least acquaintances with a a great friend of the show, Jennifer Roach. Uh, he writes he to- that she told him to reach out to me so they could potentially share some stories and information with all of us here in the hall. He's 22. We're going to ask about what he's done in the 22 years. He's a student at BYU, deeply dedicated to Jesus Christ, served a mission during COVID. Welcome to the Cultural Hall, Zach. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. I'm super excited to be here.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i excited to be able to visit with you. We don't take the opportunity, and I have recently recently been rebuked, several times, uh, that we do not take enough time with the younger, uh, folks, right? I mean, I'm not an old person, but we need to get more of the Gen Z's and the millennials and all the folks in. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Well, you don't look a day ever 26. Oh, bless you. Bless your sweetheart. (laughs) My, my beard, this hat, these shirt, this shirt, these pants are older than you are, Zach. (laughs) Um, let me ask you this, uh, because you sort of preface this in your introduction. Sure. Uh, you are 22 years old, which means if I'm doing math right, you are born in the 21st century, uh, served a mission during COVID. I want to start there. You get your mission call. That's not during COVID. It is during COVID. Take me to that time and what that service was like.
0: So that, that's, that's a great place to start, actually. So one little thing to preface that story. Uh-huh. I kind of started a lot of my my testimony stuff. Uh-huh. And I, I really started to gain a really strong conviction of the uh-huh. church when I was around 18. Okay. I, I had had spiritual experiences prior to that or what I attribute to be spiritual experiences, but the, it, I really started to feel like being going on a mission was what God wanted me to do. And I wanted to do that because I wanted to find my, my reasoning was, and still is, I want to help as many people as I can in the best ways that I can. And a mission just seemed like a logical extension of that. Sure so i submitted my papers like august 2019 okay, got my call okay. maybe october of 2019 and i started the mtc january of 2020 because I, okay. I was initially i was initially called to the dominican republic Santa domingo west mission and i had a great time at the mtc i got flown out there but as you can imagine Six weeks after January, uh, six weeks after January, I'm in mid-February, mm-hmm. COVID hits March of 2020. Sure. And so I remember, and this is the one thing I kicked myself over, but the uh, I remember hearing about this, the, the coronavirus, uh-huh. and I'm getting a lot of this information kind of secondhand because... I, I don't have a lot of access to information around there, or at least where I was serving. Sure. And so I was like, so wait, what is this coronavirus? And I'm like, oh, it's like the flu. I was like, oh, if it's like the flu, then this whole thing will be over in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I, um yeah.
1: How did that go? <laughs> no, it, it didn't, Richie, it didn't.
0: <laughs> um, needless to say, a couple of weeks later, I was sent home. I was at home for two months, and then I was reassigned to North Carolina. Let me me ask you about that.
1: Let me interject real quick. So uh, serving a mission is hard. I commend you for the choice and, and certainly the, you know, the, the, the pure, um, the pure intentions, right? Like, Hey man, this is what is working for me. And I want as many people to have what works for me work for them. If that's what works for them. And then you go out and the MTC is a different sort of creature. I can't even imagine what home MTC is like. Um, but you go to the place, you're learning the things you're trying to understand this language. You get to this foreign island, right? Dominican Republic is an island. Uh, it shares the island with Haiti, but yeah. Okay. But, but Island ish. And, And you get there and you're like, these people don't look like I do. These people don't speak like I do. I'm trying to do this whole thing. And, and then you start to get, you know, some grass under your feet, some road behind you. And then it's like, nope, go back home. And you haven't even had a chance to really be homesick necessarily before you're going back and being home for two months, how hard was that? Especially given the option, because you guys were given the option, right, to not have yeah. to back out. So how so, how hard was that? Take me to that time.
0: So depending on how long you were into your mission, you were given a couple different options. If you were in the last six months, I think that when COVID hit, you were just sent home and you were done. Yeah, Th- thank you yeah. for your service. That sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, for me, because I just barely started, I was given one of two options. One. I was given the option to go back as quickly as I could, and as soon as there was a place for me, I would I would be sent. I would be reassigned, and then if I, the the country I was initially signed to opened back up, I would be able to go back to the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. Or what I could do is I could postpone indefinitely until the the country opened back up again. Okay. And so. I, I remember thinking about that a lot, and I remember there, there were a couple of things that contributed to my. I I picked the the former because I was reassigned to North Carolina yeah, go as soon as you can,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I I I wanted to be. I figured that if during a really difficult time as COVID was going was shaping up to be, I figured that my that if I really wanted to help people, then would be a really good time for me to go out, sure, and help as much as I could at least, and I uh, so that's kind of what I ended up doing in terms of difficulty. I, that was a really, really difficult time for, for a couple of different reasons. I, I had like personal stuff going on at the same mm-hmm. time. I'd lost pretty much all of my high school friends. Lost them to uh, they, missions
1: or like, well, because you were choosing to serve a mission. They're I like, I was choosing no to serve
0: a mission. They, a lot of, a lot of them is my understanding have stepped away from the church over a variety of different issues and mm-hmm. they, they didn't take too keenly to it. And, and this was include and some, um, it just kind of, there's, there were lots of things that played into it. But I I remember being back home and thinking, okay, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Mm I'm, I'm home now. I'm trying to serve a mission. I'm trying to do the right stuff. And I'm, I'm losing a lot of the people that I've, that I've been holding close for years now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And that was that, that of course only got a little more difficult as I was reassigned to North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I was assigned a trainer who, um, who didn't really train me Sure. so i uh it was really difficult because i was supposed to be learning i was still supposed to be learning spanish right i'd taken high school spanish but it's difficult it's a a different beast when you're speaking it every day trying to talk to people Mm -hmm. and it's a different form of spanish than what you learn in a more academic setting
1: sure sure
0: so Quick question, quick question
1: before yeah, we move yeah. along from that. When you were home, did they release you and then reset you apart or were you still set apart as missionary for the 2 months you were home?
0: I was released and then called again when I was ready to go back out.
1: So so was the appeal you reached out to some ladies and be like, want to want to date an intermediate missionary right now? I'm not uh, listen, I'm no I'm no sort of commitment here. I'm going back, ladies. You just want a fun time.
0: No. I appreciate your confidence in me, Richie, but <laughs> the uh Believe it or not, my we we started calling it the intermission. Uh huh. The uh, but no, I honestly a lot of what I was doing is I was just um, I was just at home because I wasn't sure if I could get a job. Sure. Because I I had no idea when I'd have to like quit. I would hate to like get the job and then suddenly get the letter from the church again. Oh, we found a place for you. I'm like, oh
1: yeah, cool. (laughs) I know you hired me, but uh, I'm going on a mission. They're like, yeah, right. And you're like, no, tomorrow. Sorry, I'm out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's um, yeah, I. I It was just kind of like a weird experience being at home for those for those couple of months. I I couldn't do school. I felt like Mm -hmm. I couldn't do school. I couldn't do work. And so it was just me at home, just kind of in this this neutral mellow zone of just kind of being in limbo.
1: Yeah, but you get to North Carolina and then I bet at that point, I mean, minus the trainer, you're like, man, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's a different place, leaning on God to be like, hey, vouch that this is the place that I should be. Or were you just like, doesn't matter. I'm just not at home waiting in intermission.
0: Well, there was probably a degree of both. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, I it was nice that I actually got to like throw my head into something, and I as soon as the um as soon as I was able to get that worked out with like the, being able to learn the language, it's actually right around that time that I really started launching into social media work mm. because my trainer didn't want to leave the house, and so I was stuck with the phone inside all day. So if I can't go knock doors because a COVID and B I can't leave without my right. companion, I um. It was really just kind of a natural extension that I would reach out to people either in my ward on social media or just people who I could like share the gospel with. Sure. And I I really started to try and thrive with social media because there was a lot of rhetoric going on in my mission about how social media was the future. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my understanding that nowadays a lot of that has died down somewhat.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: It's um, I- I'm not sure exactly what to think about that. I think. It's difficult for mission presence to be able to regulate how sure. missionaries use their time on social media, and they want to make sure they're being the most effective. And I'll admit, um, social media in some places is far more effective than in others. Yeah. So, so if you're out in the boonies and you can't really, you know, you have a certain amount of miles you can take your mission car, mm-hmm. then it makes sense that you want to use social media and video calls and do that sort of thing more than if you're like in the Dominican Republic and they just live down the street a little bit you could just talk to people.
1: Sure. I mean, I would even push it to say that there are some people that can be more effective too, right? Like there can be someone that has the ability of storytelling, which is a talent, God given skill. It's something you can learn, but there can be a companionship that's able to tell a story and craft the message in a way that you're like, yes, spend as much time as you possibly can. And then there's someone else that's like worried about your dead family. Click here, and I'll talk to you. You know, the, the sort of less effective ways that that uh, I mean also has to be something that is played into the decision as to how much time or if any time is going to be done doing that kind of contacting.
0: Yeah, and that actually led to one of the stories I kind of wanted to run by because this is this is one of my favorite stories that I that I was able to to find on my mission. So, like I said, throughout COVID, I wasn't able to knock doors to find people, mm-hmm. so that really limited my stuff to either people that I'd already met. And uh, people, and also working through members, which honestly, missionaries are supposed to be working through members anyway. Sure. So that's that's not the that wasn't the worst thing in the world, but needless to say, our ability to do stuff was severely hampered. Mm-hmm. Now, it just so happened after making one of those, I, I I also. I contributed to making a super cringy missionary
1: video. Yeah. Tell me which yeah. one. Is it one I'm going to know? No, it would oh. not
0: be one you know. It's my okay. understanding that the page that we posted it to has since been replaced. So ah. you will not be able to find me online. Shoot. Shoot. The. Uh, but it just so happened to land me on the Facebook algorithm in kind of a funny way. Suddenly I started getting friend requests from people in the Philippines, people in South America, Africa,
1: okay. Europe. Okay.
0: And instead of doing what any normal person would do and just deleting the people you don't know,
1: uh-huh.
0: I decided just to accept all of them. Sure. And and <laughs> just I would see if I could refer to, them to the missionaries in their own area. And I did that. I really hardcore dedicated myself to that for about two weeks just to see what would happen. And it's really interesting because within those two weeks, I ended up having about 4,000 Facebook friends. Wow. And I know for, I referred 80 something of them to missionaries in the local area. I know about 20 something of them were actually able to get in contact with their missionaries. Wow. And I actually got to run into this really great gal who's named Augustina. Mm-hmm. And she's, she was in, she, she lives in Argentina. I was chatting with her for, I, I remember chatting with her and she, she felt like she didn't have a really great relationship with God. She talked to other missionaries. I'm not sure if they were from our church or not. I don't think they were.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But she seemed to have a really kind of bad experience with them. And I was like, well, I'm really sorry to hear that. Do you want to talk about it? And then we just kind of chatted a little bit. I referred her to the missionaries in their area. Her mom got baptized and her brother got baptized. Wow. And uh, a couple weeks later after I-, I talked with her a little bit because she uh, she had a couple of questions about like church. Um, like our, our doctrine and the like. And mm-hmm. I ch- I talked with her a little bit and eventually she decided she wanted to get baptized as well. And so her and her entire family are now active and they're That's serving in all things. Right? Yes. And I, I remember thinking, I was like, okay, that came from like two weeks of effort almost. And mm-hmm. granted, it, it spanned out a little longer than that because shortly after those two weeks, uh, my zone leaders called into what I was doing. Like, um, you probably should only be reaching out to people in your own area. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. The, uh, but I I remember looking back on that experience. I'm like, look at what social media is able to do. Sure. Because I I never would have met this 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 person if I didn't have access to Facebook and wasn't like reaching out to people and just talking to absolutely everybody. And uh-huh. yeah.
1: Oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't interrupt you. Go ahead. And then I've got a question about that though.
0: No, it's um basically what I was gonna say is I'm grateful that. I, I I'm grateful that the Lord was able to use me to be able to help somebody out, somebody that was in need. And I I I was just talking with her recently. She she still seems to be doing well, and it was just a really great thing. And it's a, it's something that's profoundly impacted me even after my mission.
1: Yeah, I so I uh, two things that come to my mind. I'm going to ask you the the basic thing about it. I didn't realize that you would be able to talk to someone of the opposite sex just like in chatting in social media uh, as a missionary. That seems to me like given the wrong scenario or like something that wasn't completely open-faced that you could always be checked on, that seems like a recipe for disaster for me. Oh, uh, in,
0: in that sort of thing, at least the mission rules at the time, as long as my companion knew what I was doing and I cross-referenced my messages with him, uh-huh. I was good.
1: Oh, interesting. And then the other thing that I would say is it's interesting to me that you're like, yeah, they were like, we shouldn't probably do this, but who cares? Is is sort of the thing that I think- that right? was. Like, tell it to the person whose, you know, life and ancestry whom you have changed. Now, granted, we, we shouldn't be going out and being like, I'm always going to break the rules and God's certainly going to bless her, whatever the thing may be, right? You You weren't knowingly breaking a rule, as it were. But sometimes I think we get so finite in the way that things should be done because, well, I just feel like maybe we should do it this way. And you're like, change. Not you, obviously, the spirit changing, touching the lives of these people, but you being in the instrument in the hands of the Lord to be able to say, hey, the gospel, it's awesome. Your family joins, you join. And that would not have happened had you not used that opportunity to do that. I think that's significant to note as well. Right. And it's it's
0: worth mentioning that there have been a couple of other instances throughout my mission wherein hmm. that happened. So it, it, it's funny because there were a few things that my mission presidents consistently would advise against. Of course, I learned about their advice after the fact. <laughs> and I, I half wonder if I was the reason that they had to give that advice.
1: Um, uh, but, you're right. We got to make this rule. Elder West <laughs> back on the internet. Sure. But um, a-
0: another another experience I remember was I I was I was out in North Carolina. I was in my last transfer of North Carolina because I actually ended up being able to go back to the Dominican Republic.
1: Oh, that's incredible.
0: And I, I I'm very very lucky. I loved every in, in, I left every minute of my mission both in, in both places where I served the um, but I was happened to be training because I mm-hmm. didn't know that I would be leaving that that transfer and so I was talking with my trainee and at this point I had I had tried to deepen my gospel understanding and I had practiced talking to people on the internet mm-hmm. because you can only be on social media for a lo- so long before first off you run into people who don't like the church sure And second off, before you um before you start running into like consistent like consistent kind of holdups people have in our general area about the church. So for example, I remember talking to a guy who this this also happened to be I I, I wasn't sure where I I wasn't quite sure where he lived. I found out after the fact he would lived in Spain. Okay. But um at the time, I was just I was just kind of chatting with him. He had some questions, and he he um he was talking a little bit about how the Bible can't be added to. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And I was like, "Well, that's not necessarily true." If you go back to like the context of like verses where he he, he had cited like Revelation twenty two, because there's like a verse in there.
1: Sure, maybe this you've heard of be that? added to or taken away from, and if you look at the chronological order, that takes out several books in the New Testament, and that's sort of how we say, "Well, sh- sure," but also not at all the case right sorry about that yeah and so it's so there. there's there's lots more that can be said about
0: that like um like making sure for all intents and purposes that phraseology was used as like a like to make sure that like to protect the text from being altered mm-hmm. it, it wasn't preventing future scripture and if we were really to take that you could go back to other passages such as deuteronomy 4 2 sure which says something very similar. And does that mean we have to give up every piece of scripture after Deuteronomy? No, because right. that
1: would be ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Although as a quick aside, discussions like that, I never found to be fruitful. Like if someone said, hey, I've got this, and I'm like, yeah, uh, this. It's I never once had anyone go, you know, thanks for telling me the right way. Where do I go? Where's the font? What do we need to do now? Like that was never the way, not to say that we didn't have people that... Um, Had opposition to the things that we taught, but it was literally never the way where I was like, boom, point us. If I get to five points, you have to get to the baptismal font. We never did that.
0: No, you actually make a really good point because I think a lot of missionaries make that mistake, wherein, Mm -hmm. because you have missionaries that they're very well informed, they're studying the scriptures. And when you study, and if you're doing your hour personal study every day, you end up knowing quite a bit towards Mm -hmm. the end of your mission, or at least enough to be able to get by. But it's not necessarily points. It's not It's not a who's right, who's wrong. It's can we learn something together? Can right. we try and invite the spirit? And a lot of people try to... Um... One of the ways I've been able to, to kind of figure that out while also being able to talk to people who might disagree with me, I, I figured out that asking questions ended up being like a really great tool as a mm-hmm. missionary to being able to kind of help people think about something and learn more. So again, with this guy, I asked him a question. I'm like, okay, so how do you understand this other verse, or how do we understand this passage in its broader context about it being um like other other books being written after Revelation, that sort of thing. Sure. And so I, I went back and forth with him for a little bit, and then he just stopped talking to me. I thought that was the end of it. A couple months later, he sends a picture of himself holding a Book of Mormon.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm like, oh, are you going to read the Book of Mormon? He's like, yeah, I, I thought that after our discussion, I figured I might as well learn a little bit more about you. I'm like, oh great! Do you want me to read it with you? He's like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> what and like a so, nighttime story, Elder Wright? Come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do they, uh, uh, uh Joking aside, do uh with uh, you know when I served there, social media was a glim in its mother's eye. Uh, is is there um is there situations where like if you're somewhere else, we hop on a, a messenger or FaceTime and we would read the scriptures that way. Is that a, is that a common practice? That,
0: that was common, at least at the time. I can't speak for what all missionaries are doing right now, but that was something that we would do. We would read scriptures with them. We would, we would call members and non-members. We would have members hop on video calls with us. We would try to just incorporate as much social interaction wow. as, as we could. That's cool. That was how you were supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what I can say. But um, interestingly enough, it just so happened that he started talking to the missionaries a couple weeks later. I'm like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, are the the missionaries helping you? And she's, and he's like, yeah, they're answering some of my questions. I was like, do you want me to, you know, if you'd like, I can hide. He's like, no, no, that's fine. I'm like, all right. And so sends me another message a month later. He's like, yeah, so I got baptized last week. Wow. And so I'm like, Oh wow. That was, that was like a complete 180 from where I found you three or four months ago Mm -hmm. and right now it's my understanding he's serving like a service mission doing like family history stuff wow so more power to him and that was something that always kind of i I remember because my mission presidents oh that that's another fun thing i had six mission presidents
1: sure i had five You had five but i had five yeah
0: I, I, to be fair, I'm, I'm counting the MTC one. I'm not okay. sure if you are. No,
1: I'm not. So, all right. So,
0: I guess both of us are tied 5.
1: Yeah. Man, hey, why did you have five?
0: Well, I, um, so I got to the Dominican Republic the first time.
1: Okay. So, that's why,
0: uh, he was, it's, yeah. So, there was one, and then I was home, and then I got to North Carolina. Okay. Two. And North Carolina, this is my one claim to fame. This is, Elder Holland's son, President Holland. Matthew, sure. Matthew Holland. He was my mission president for a few months.
1: I didn't realize he was in charge of North Carolina. I thought he was somewhere else for some reason.
0: Well, he's bounced around a little bit. He's been okay. he's since been called as an area seventy. And right. he had to leave my mission because he was being called as an area mm.
1: seventy. Okay.
0: Uh we had an interim mission president. Free. The uh the Hendersons, I remember. And they were North Carolina locals and they had been like presidents before in another place, but
1: Oh cool. So they sort uh, of stepped in because Elder Holland had to leave and they hadn't called anyone else or had the opportunity right. to train. Makes sense.
0: And then we had uh pres and then I had President Moore. And President Sister Moore were Australian. And so I mm-hmm. would get it was fun whenever I'd get calls from them. They're like, Elder Wright, how's it going? <laughs> I'm like, it's going all right, President. It's like I'm glad to hear it. Something like that.
1: Yeah, that was great. I Applaud the oppression. And then <laughs> obviously going back to Dominican Republic, it was a new mission president, and that's where yes. the five comes in. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't go anywhere, and I had five. <laughs> uh, that seems
0: like a very fascinating story.
1: Yeah. Well, it was a lot of health, a lot of poor health from different individuals had to go home and and all of the things. Um, let's take a break real quick. I want to come back. Uh, we'll pick it back up right where we left it off. We'll come back, and we will do that in the second block of the Cultural Hall. BestDJinUtah.com. You're right. It's a new ad. What? Well, it's been an entire season since I've recorded a BestDJinUtah.com ad. And well, The wedding season coming to an end at this point, but not really, because what happens now is everyone who's going to get married in 2024 reaches out and says, Richie, is it possible? Do you still have this date? And I tell them, yes, hopefully. And then we get you booked. We'd love to be able to work with you, uh, travel all along the Intermountain West. Some people call it the Jell-O Belt. Uh, You can go to bestdjinutah.com to request a quote. You can find us on any of the social medias at bestdjinutah, and uh, we can answer any questions. Affordable? Yes. Over 400 five-star reviews? Yes. Highest rated in the state of Utah? Uh Uh-huh. Go on. It's bestdjinutah.com, and I'll I'll give you a little hint. It, It also helps me to be able to do this, like financially, support the cultural hall through that, and you get something in return. Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC
0: Laptops desktop computer and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com.
1: Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, remember that you can always become a Patreon Saint of the Cultural Hall. Go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. A great place where all of the Patreon Saints are hanging out is the Patreon Saint Facebook group. It is a secret but not sacred Facebook group where you have to pay to be a part of it. And we are all hanging out there. We would love for you to join us as little as $5 a month. We call it putting your money where your ears are, and it means the world to me. It lets me know that this isn't going to a vacuum of no one listening to space. It lets me know that you think my time is worthwhile, and it is, but it lets me know that you think that. Patreon.com forward slash The Cultural Hall. So, Zachary, what did we, uh, as we kind of wrap out the mission, is there anything that we sort of missed? How long have you been home for?
0: I got back December of 2021. Okay. I, so I've just been back home ever since. I've been attending school. I've been working, that sort of thing. But my mission was a really important time in my life because it helped me develop a lot of confidence I didn't have before. Okay. And it also helped kind of develop a really deep interest in understanding the gospel, understanding what I believed, both in terms of the doctrine and also the history. Because a lot of the time when I would run into people in North Carolina and the Dominican Republic— Mm-hmm. They had lots of questions because they'd heard a lot they'd, they'd heard lots of stuff about our church. And I either had to confirm what they had heard or correct what they had heard because a sure. lot of the time a, a lot of what they heard just wasn't true. Sure. And this was, of course, doubly hard when I was on Facebook because Facebook, everyone and their mom has an opinion on the church. Sure. And while I was on Facebook, I was actually able to make connections with people that that were really really important, like a lot of kind of scholars of LDS theology, including but not limited to Jennifer Roach, who we've mentioned. Who we
1: love, for. sure. Who
0: we love, she's she's delightful. You will never find great? someone. All right, I am the number one person on her fan list.
1: Okay, like all right.
0: The um that she's she's just great. But I also got to meet people like um see people that maybe your listeners but know, like Don Bradley is one.
1: Sure, we've um, interviewed him before about his. Missing hundred and sixteen pages of the Book of Mormon. That's a great book. Oh my great god, great book.
0: I've I started reading it recently, and it, it I'm really impressed with it so far. The um also other other people like Ben Spackman, Robert Boylan, uh, just kind of like people who who have specific specialties in studying like theology or history, mm-hmm. and I was able to turn to them if I had questions. And the fact that I was able to use those answers to not only help other missionaries who had questions, but also the people I was teaching, prompted me to realize that I should probably keep studying the stuff so I can keep helping people even after my mission.
1: Sure, sure.
0: So that kind of leaves us to kind of where we um, kind of, uh, so after my mission, I still stayed in a lot of those missionary Facebook groups.
1: The ones uh, where where people would drop in that are non members, that kind of thing, or like groups of missionaries that are like, we're meeting with someone and they said this. What do we say? Is it that kind of group?
0: It's it's the latter. So that okay. one. It's the so they would come in and they're like, hey, can somebody tell us about sola scriptura, or can somebody tell us about uh ex historical thing that Brigham Young said? And we're like, okay, a lot of so.
1: atonement. <laughs> uh, you know,
0: the um, and then they the these scholars who studied it, and then I would also pop uh, chime in every now and again. I, I I try my best to be helpful, and sure. I, since, since I've been back, I've tried to hop on like a couple. I've tried to go out with the missionaries relatively often, or as often as I can, because my sure. life is very crazy. The um, but I also ended up. Uh, this is kind of where the, the phase I'm like of my where I'm at right now. Uh-huh. I I try to make sure that I'm actively involved in my community because I um I'm trying to put in a lot of volunteer hours, and it just so happened that Jennifer Roach. Was able to put me in contact with FAIR. I Which imagine, if people don't know them.
1: what that is, don't people so, what
0: that is. uh it's the the original acronym was the foundation of apologetic information and research. Uh sometimes people have abbreviated to like a little catchphrase, uh uh faithful answers, informed response. Basically, what they do is they they try to answer difficult questions about church history and our theology, and they try to help people find ways to understand what the what the history is, and also kind of different ways we can look at it today and try to show how we can still maintain faith, even though they're, you know, our, our history can sometimes get a little complicated.
1: Yeah, and it's not sponsored by the church. Many of the members are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In fact, probably all of them or near all of them, I would imagine. Um, but it's it sort of runs parallel or adjacent to the church. It's not a church arm.
0: I don't think so. Uh it's my understanding that um you might have some kind of indirect connections there. Sure. But I don't think it's an official branch of the church. No. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so you go to them and say they're like, hey, uh willing to work for free. And they're like, Yes. Excellent. And so
0: they were probably initially anticipating that just a 22 year old would just be somebody who um will, like worked like text or like work worked like the camera or something like that. But as part of my kind of like application, Mm -hmm. I submitted some of the stuff that I had written on like church history topics, because Mm -hmm. throughout the course of my mission, I actually wrote several, I call them my discourses, because I I remember running into the same problem over and over again. And I knew that if I didn't write this stuff down, I would forget it. And so I just wrote stuff down. I was like, okay, people usually have this question. Here's a response that I found to be helpful to people. And here are these sources that I can refer to or refer them to if needed. And so I, I submitted a couple of those to them and they're like, Hey, you know, we were really, we can tell that you're a really talented writer and we mm-hmm. can tell that you've, you've studied a little bit this out. Would you like to do a podcast on our channel? And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. wait, what? Yeah. I'm like, you, you guys saw I'm 22, right?
1: <laughs> don't, don't bring the, um... that
0: up. They'll never know. <laughs> you brought it up. What have you done? The, um, and that that was what's was going through my head. And mm-hmm. so uh this this prompted me to so they, they reached out to me, they're like, All right, so what do you want to do? And I was like, Well, what are what, what would you want me to do? And they're like, Well, you can either do like New Testament stuff, because this is all this is happening last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, with,
1: for those that might be listening in a different yes. time, 2023.
0: Yeah. And we're studying the New Testament, so you can either like contribute to some of our come follow me stuff. Or you can do this other project regarding critical thinking skills. Hmm. I'm like, let me do that one. Because a lot of what I found is interesting. One thing that I've picked up on when it comes to people having questions about the church is that they're not necessarily concerned about the problems, uh, about the the historical stuff itself or the Mm -hmm. theological questions themselves. So what I mean by that is they're not necessarily concerned about joseph putting a rock in a hat for example they are more concerned especially people my age they are more concerned about um the church being honest Mm -hmm. they are more concerned about the church being quote-unquote harmful that's a that's something that's kind of thrown around a lot Mm -hmm. by a lot of people my age sure and it's um one of the one of the really important things to be able to combat that isn't necessarily just to talk about the historical context behind which Joseph Smith used the translation, or like, translated the Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. but also to discuss critical thinking skills so that people can discover the stuff for themselves, and kind of understand, hey, this is kind of the nature of. The, we can use these skills to more carefully study LDS theology and history, and when we apply these skills in practical ways, we learn that the, the problems that that people have aren't really with you know kind of like these. These more obscure, kind of like historical issues. Yeah. They are they, they are more focused on the feelings that the person has. And they are more focused on kind of how we process information inside of ourselves. And that's why we we really need good critical thinking skills in order to like have those tools so we can more adequately connect with other people and also analyze our theology and history. And that just so happens that our gospel happened or that the the Church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints has. Has a lot of really great ways that we are able to use critical thinking skills. It promotes thought. It promotes mm-hmm. deeper historical study. And that's how I see it.
1: Right. Let me let me ask you as a quick aside to that. Give me uh, Anne singular, uh, critical thinking skill. Like what is something if someone's like, yeah, great critical thinking skills, Uh, whatever. I don't know what that means. Give me one that we can go, man, he's going to walk us through it. This is what a critical thinking skill. It's not all of it. And we're not throwing out the whole gamut of all the things, but like a tool of critical thinking that we can go. Yeah, that could, I could see how that would be beneficial to not only know about, but be able to employ.
0: Right. So I've mentioned one already. One of them is asking questions, being able to practice asking good questions so that you can arrive at the the true concerns that people you're talking to actually have mm-hmm. but also prompt additional study and prompt additional learning so that we can more fully connect to the to truth and with god as a result um
1: no, well, let's take that one we don't need to walk out another one but i do want to walk ask some questions around that Sure. Yeah. obviously um as a fundamental principle i think everyone listening to that goes well clearly there would not be a restored church of jesus christ of latter-day saints if there the principle of of asking questions you know, wasn't there Joseph Smith employed that critical thinking skill himself saying, wait a minute of all these teachers of religion and I need to ask. And so he asked and then is able to have the miraculous moment that he had. Um, when you start to get where you're talking and trying to, um, ascertain what maybe someone have a concern with, or even, you know, what they believe about a particular topic, um, you, you sort of ask questions almost like, a a a toddler that would be like, why, why, but it's not asking why you're sort of repeating back some of what you hear and making sure that you're ascertaining what they're saying is what you're hearing and allowing for that correction. What are the other skills within that, that allows you to help find the clarity from the other person?
0: Right. So there are a few things that questions really kind of help out with. So first it helps clarify their concern Mm -hmm. because um, if somebody says, uh i don't like the church or Mm -hmm. i I feel like the church is harmful
1: sure
0: i i would that immediately comes back okay so why do you think that and they could respond with any number of different things and so if i was just to try and uh, tackle the question uh the church isn't harmful because x y and z there's no guarantee that my answer would really appeal to what they're truly concerned about Hmm. so Making sure that you're able to specify what they're concerned about is a, is a very important aspect and that really can only be resolved by asking good questions.
1: But so so and, uh, let's say that you walk... I, this is fascinating to me because I think that it's a, a valuable skill. I think that to some degree, I think we all sort of do this. I, I can't imagine that someone's just like, you think that that's dumb. Although I guess I heard, have heard anecdotally that some people do that. But like um, say that my concern is You know, that uh, I had a friend who uh, was LGBTQ and felt like the church, um, you know, didn't want him, made him feel like God didn't want him, and he ended up taking his own life. Like, that's extreme, I recognize. Right. But if my concern is, like, I love this person so much, and because I felt like his interaction with those that were in the church uh, led him to feel the way that he did to the extent that he reacted the way that he did, like, what do you do at that point?
0: At that point, you really start to realize that the concern, so at, at that point, at least from what I was able to pick up from there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you, you honestly have to compartmentalize a little bit. So okay. on one hand, they have to, they're have they feeling hurt because they lost a friend. And yeah. Fair enough. That's 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 a really tragic thing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen. It, it does happen. I don't think it happens nearly as often as maybe some critics of the church would like to say it does, but okay. it does happen. And it's one of the most important things that we can do is to express love and empathy in that sort of situation. Because at that point, if I was to come back with them at them with like a hyper logical response, which, granted, I could try to do. Sure. There, there are certainly studies that have come out of BYU and other places that seem to indicate that if you are a member of the church, you would actually end up being a little bit happier than if you were not a member of the church. Sure. And they actually they, they ran that study. And they found that LGBTQ plus members happen to be um, happen to have lower rates of suicidality than maybe non members who are LGBTQ plus. Hmm. And so I could come at them with that, like that, but at that point I'm not sure if it would be that helpful because at that point they're, they're not having a problem. They are they are more distraught at the fact that something is is considered to be harmful and they've been hurt by the church right. than maybe. Than maybe they are with the the concept of LGBTQ plus policies within the church themselves. Yeah, and so at that point, I would understand that the best possible thing I can do is to continue to to reach out and love to them, mm-hmm. and I I would ask additional questions. I'm I'm like, all right, cool. So what were I mean? Well, let me think how. Sorry, I have
1: thoughts. So sure, sure, sure. Well, yeah. and what I, what I also have to recognize yeah. is I appreciate that none of this was discussed before we started recording. So all of these things that I have thrown your way, I mean, it's very real life in that, uh, not that that has occurred with me, although it has occurred with me, um, yeah. you know, lost friends uh, to suicidality. But, uh, it, you know, you got no sort of warning. So to, to, no, need, it, to need a second is uh, 100% yeah. uh, understandable.
0: I've tried to make it my business to mm-hmm. be ready almost at a moment's notice to be able to talk about this sort of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, um, heaven knows within my family and outside of my family, we, we talk about these issues quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And one of the important things that I think is, is really necessary to understand is that the, the church's policy on, at least the way I see it, the church's policy and LGBTQ plus stuff at least makes sense to me, but it is something that, that a lot of people can feel really hurt by they sure. they at least the members of the lgbtq plus community that i've met they they feel ostracized by a lot of people sure. and they've kind of like they've they've banded together because they feel like that they feel accepted by each other and honestly there's there's something to be said about the community in and of itself sure but
1: a community I, um, completely accepting that doesn't need you to be anything or not be anything. I mean, there's something appealing about that for everyone to feel right. belonged, or uh, to feel like you belong for who you are and how you are. I mean, that's that isn't exclusive to LGBTQ plus. That's that's that everybody. Is people. That is people.
0: And, but that's one thing that I've also really appreciated about the church. <laughs> is we try to be a community that will accept. Everybody, because we all believe in th- that we are part of a larger community of being children of God. Mm-hmm. And we want people to enter into covenant relationships with him, regardless of maybe where we've come from, so that we can come closer to him and feel the joy that comes from being in a relationship with him. And if you don't want to do that, all right, that's great. That's wonderful. If mm-hmm. if you feel like you're doing your own thing, then I, you have your agency. Go and do what you feel like. Is gonna make you the most happy, that sort of thing. But sure. the um the only issue at that point where I, I would have at that point is if they turn around and say that, you know, by the same token, my worldview about believing in God and believing the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints is morally wrong, that I'm, you know, uh let, let's see.
1: That they make some know, sort what? of judgment about your yeah, they, character, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent.
0: And so at that point, we need to have like a further discussion because clearly there are some unresolved things that either I've done mm-hmm. or maybe you have some things that maybe you that or I use you, but you know yep. what I mean. Collective
1: view, not collective view, yes. Yep.
0: Wherein we should probably discuss and flush out some of these ideas. And I am, um, but again it goes back to this thing that we were talking about before about asking questions. Right. And We, um, when we do that, I I have found that it is a very useful tool, not only just to help understand people, but also lead the spirit to work within people Mm -hmm. in the same, in the same sense that we had that one guy that I talked to on my mission where me asking questions prompted him to want to study more, but the, um, it, the spirit can work with us and work through questions to help us learn more about ourselves, learn more about other people. And also the Spirit can work through us to help other people and hopefully lead them a little bit closer to God, which is what I hope to do anyway at the end sure. of the day.
1: So full circle, bringing it back around, they have you do a podcast. So is it a separate podcast through FAIR where you're like, it's critical thinking with Elder Wright? Yeah. Uh, uh, or where um, you kind of drop in and go, all right, there's a critical thing. Like, give me an idea of what that is and how people might be able to both find and enjoy that.
0: So if if you want to find it, it's on the fair website. I have both a written form and also a video form of it on YouTube. So if you okay. just look up, so the name of 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 the podcast was "By Study and By Faith." It 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 does tend to be a little bit more academic because I try to I try to make sure that I'm citing my sources and I try to I try to make it my I structure my podcast in a way to where you can not only use them for church stuff but also apply those same skills in every discipline of our lives, be it work or school or church or whatever. Sure. And so you can find that on FAIR, but basically it's me exploring a variety of different topics, uh, including, but not limited to evaluating historical sources, using logic, understanding logical fallacies, knowing what our sources of information are, like cognitive bias, misinformation, mm-hmm. just a bunch of stuff that certainly relates to the gospel. And a lot of members of the church are familiar with how those may relate to the gospel. Right. But also hopefully, you know, provide a couple of different skills that might serve us in other aspects of our life.
1: One of the things that I think is the hardest, uh, you know, I have a year or two on you. Um, though uh and now I get to sound really old, are we ready for this? Though your generation faces different things than my generation faced. Uh I I think that the hardest thing that I have found um, with the church is not misinformation. It's not, um, you know, I have have had several friends that, you know, a big thing for several people that I know is when, not that it was ever hidden, but the fact that, uh, you know, Joseph Smith had multiple wives was not something that was discussed for a long time. Uh, certainly it was known, but not necessarily discussed. And so people, you know, they hear about it and, and, and for things that people don't know, they very quickly go, well, it can't be true because I've been a member of this church for so long. I would know about this if this were true. And so they sort of place it in a way that they go, oh, it's not true. Or you've been reading it out of books that are, you know, anti or, you know, whatever the thing may be. I think the very hardest thing is when it's something that I don't like that is true. I think that is by far the hardest thing where I go, I know this is true, not true like in a gospel sense, but like this in fact happened, it occurred, whatever this is, and I just don't like it.
0: Yeah. And there are certainly a lot of things within church history that that's talked about. One that immediately comes to mind, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, polygamy. Mm I don't like polygamy. I don't want to practice polygamy. Yeah, but I understand it happened, and there are reasons why it happened. I believe that it was try that Joseph and Company tried their best to live it in a way that would be faith promoting, and there's there's a lot that can be said about that. But you're absolutely right. A lot of the time, a lot of the time, uh, we we're not necessarily sure what to do when we run into something. That, that causes us to feel bad. What you are right. actually described is something that I talked about in one of my episodes about critical thinking, actually. It's called cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. wherein uh, we have this feeling that we want to provide some kind of inner resolution, because we have this one thing, we know mm-hmm. it's real, but we don't like it, and so we want to harmonize that with our current perception of reality. And there are a couple of ways you can do that. You can downplay it, or like, oh, you know, we'll say polygamy isn't super important.
1: Sure. I'll put it on the shelf. That's my favorite one that we do with. Right. Yes. We're going to put that on the, put on the shelf. I'll get the, to that. Um, or uh, that's not important to my salvation, but I I do have an issue with that. I'll figure that out later.
0: Right. And so that's, that's one way you can do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure that a lot of people do that. And I I, I won't criticize them for doing that. Sure. I One of the things I found to be useful, at least when I run into something like that, what I try to do is I try to add additional information to help contextualize the issue, so I can go back over the different testimonies of uh, uh, Joseph's wives, and I can look at kind of their their faith, and you know they throughout their lives defended and practiced polygamy. Sure. And I, I can look at okay, so I think to myself, why did they do that? Probably because they believed it came from God. Mm-hmm. And as I as as I I have found that as I add additional information about polygamy, first off. that that topic in of itself becomes a little less scary Mm -hmm. the the novelty and like the fear aspect of it drops significantly sure and we're able to kind of arrive at a place where i can say all right i understand why joe i understand why joseph practiced it i have certain thoughts about as to why he did i can believe that it's in our i I mean it's in our scripture DNC 132 sure um I can I can understand why it's there, and I can believe Joseph is a prophet. um even if there there are a couple of things about maybe the church history that I'm not necessarily sure how I feel about.
1: right, right. But
0: that that sort of thing. And so but
1: I, yeah, that yeah. to me though, just to insert real quick, uh, that to me, though, is so much more valuable than what I feel like I encounter is the people that um that won't wrestle with something. Or that just think that that must be something that's coming from anti or, or essentially a, a brand of, oh, that's fake news. Right. Huh. And it's just like, no, it's not.
0: But that's a good way. To, that's a good way you to know? think about it. Because we have a few people now that are, that are, you know, we've had a few influencers that have popped up on like the LDS podcast YouTube verse mm-hmm. that are, that are actively fighting the idea that Joseph uses here. So are actively fighting the idea that Joseph sure. practiced polygamy. Sure. And so I don't think it does us very much good to kind of brush off those questions, or kind of like put them on the shelf, as you said. Right. It is it is important for us to um kind of change how we view that conflict because if we if we're just actively trying to avoid the wrestling aspect, I think it puts us in a position to where we're not learning and we're not learning. Sure. And I think as a result, I, I think it can make it difficult for us to continue to grow our relationship with God.
1: Sure. And so... Which is literal damnation. <laughs> no, I, that, mean, uh, I mean, it is. that to, to not have growth is damnation. It, it sounds sort of grander than in all that when you use the word damnation. But I mean, that is to stop having growth, to stop having progression. That's literally what that is defined. Mm-hmm. And...
0: But that's that's another reason why I think it's important to learn how to apply these skills in a yep. way that's useful. Because if we're we're applying, if we if we can understand like the true nature behind people's concerns and also kind of like why people did what they did, or at least learn as much as we can as to why people did what they did mm-hmm. you know, in terms of church, in terms of things like church history, I think it becomes easier for us to understand okay, this is how I think the spirit was involved, and this is how I I wonder if God can work through my life to either help me learn from the mistakes of people that I've seen in the past, or embody Mm -hmm. their good characteristics in a way that can really help me. And that's why history in general has always been super fascinating to me, but church history is ripe with instances of people doing things really well, doing things really poorly, Mm -hmm. and As I I can look and I can see, okay, I, I can look and see if I can find the hand of God in there. And if God can help them in spite of all the crap that they were doing or had done to them, then maybe God can help me too. As, as I'm going through 2024 and most of my generation is depressed or anxious or has some kind of mental illness and life is just really hard right now.
1: Sure. Uh, uh, a question that I sort of have as a curiosity because I feel like we're cut from the same cloth: When you find out that people have left the church, do you ask them why?
0: I I've thought about that. It's about a coin toss. Yeah. And so, I, if the the context demands that I that I keep my mouth shut. The most of the time i will but the um a lot of the time i i try to kind of like if there's a specific question i feel like the the situation warrants that i do try to ask because mm-hmm. i i'm the kind of person to where if there's something that definitively um disproves the idea that there is a fact of loving god and that this happens to be his church i would like to know about sure it. and right. so I, and now would be a good time for me to learn about it because I'm sure. 22. I've got my whole life ahead of me. True. Sure. And right now I'm on the track to where I'm really willing to live and die for what I believe. And I, if people do have something that they have questions about or they feel like, all right, I can't reconcile this idea with the fact that there is a loving God, I do want to know about it. And if there's something that if, if they bring it up and it's something I've heard before, and a lot of the time at, at this point I've just listened to so much that I, sure. a lot of the sure. time it's something that that I've heard before. Mm-hmm. It's um, I'll I'll sometimes I'll sometimes push back on them a little bit. Maybe not maybe not too hard. I'm like I can understand where you're coming from. I look at it a little differently for A, B, and C reasons.
1: Sure,
0: I can understand where you're coming from. And I will I will then focus on either trying to make sure I can maintain a good relationship with them, right? Or if the conversation, or if they have additional questions, I can continue to follow up and we can have that that sort of discussion. A lot of the time, though, I found that people who have left the church when they get to that point, mm-hmm. I I don't know if there's much I can say that would like make them feel better because at that point they've made a decision and what they sure. want is they want to feel good about that decision sure they want to feel validated for their concerns
1: sure so any sort of friction at that point makes you automatically on the other side of the issue
0: Um, yeah and it it, it makes it so that they they don't want any kind of interaction with me I found that with a lot of my my friends in my high school friend group where in the second I started to push back against them I was immediately criticized and or ignored and so that that's something that we also have to take into account
1: yeah. I, I have found it fascinating with friends that have left the church. Um, how in in some instances, actually in more instances than you would probably imagine, that when, you know, they 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 send that email or we have that conversation where they, they feel like they need to let me know that they've left the church, um, that that they won't tell me what it was or what things were that drove them, right? Uh, that's
0: happened a couple of times with me too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Almost almost in the way that they, they feel like they are protecting me because they know that I am still faithful and that they don't want to be for whatever reason, the downfall of my faith, um, which I think is very sweet of them. But, but when I've been able to push that through, uh, with people and just be able to be like, listen, I have literally heard it all. I am just curious. (laughs) What is the thing that broke the shelf? What, what is the reason that you're, you're out? And I, it, I, if there was something that I was going to study within the church, it would be that because, um, you know, we can say, uh, scars, bruises, marks, you know, bad actors among the thing, or whatever, however we want to couch that. There are so many things. And then when, when, um, you're able to ask someone, so what was it for you? And then they identify one thing and you know that there's, Five, six, or seven other things. I find it so fascinating that I want to just be like, yeah, but why that one thing? These other five things are terrible too. Why was it that one thing instead of two, three, four, or five? Or you know, I that is the thing that to me, I just am like, so so that was the thing. That you could handle this, you could handle that other thing, but when that came through, that was the thing that's out. And I just, I am, um, I could have every conversation about that for every show of every, you know, podcast of everything just to be fascinated to be like, why is it that thing for that individual?
0: Right. And it also makes you wonder if they had found that thing first,
1: would it be different? Yeah. Right. Or maybe it's a an accumulation of all the things. All right, got to take a break. We'll come back in the third block. We've got three questions that we ask everyone who steps in the cultural hall. We'll ask those of you. Plus, we'll wrap up anything else that you would like to get in in this time. I've called you Elder Wright more than I've called you Zachary Wright in the time that we have chatted. <laughs> uh, we'll be back with Zach in the third block right after this. Creative, affordable design let it be Lenin design call or visit LennonDesign.com. here in the third block of the cultural hall won't you please join us in the cultural hall back row it is a free group uh, over 300 people hanging out where we have what has best been coined uh the phrase of like tangential conversations so we wouldn't talk about uh in the cultural hall back row things like critical thinking although we might maybe someone would share a link with that. But what we would more likely talk about is like, uh, great, uh, places to stay on vacation in the Dominican Republic or a great restaurant in North Carolina or the best time of year to visit. It's, uh, those sort of things that, kind of get brought up in the episode, uh, but also are able to just go off on a riff and we love everyone that's there. So come join us on the back row. You can find it on Facebook by searching the cultural hall back row. Again, doesn't cost you anything. It's just hanging out there. Uh, full disclosure. The reason why we have the back row is because we want you to become a Patreon saint, but if you just want to hang out on the back row, that's fine. Um, Zach, let me ask you this, or is it Zachary? I don't want to be informal. Are you a Zachary?
0: you can call me either one I'll re- I'll respond either one
1: okay okay uh as you think about um your sort of forward trajectory you're a uh, student at byU right now studying psychology mm-hmm. are you thinking uh kind of the the therapy route following in the the uh, steps of your mentor Jennifer Roach or are you thinking like uh maybe there's something to this whole church and history and all that kind of stuff
0: That's a really good question. It's one I've thought about a lot, because as you can tell, I'm very passionate about church history and theology. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I also really like the idea of either going into therapy. I've also toyed around with the idea of going to med school, Hmm. Uh, either being a psychiatrist or some other kind of doctor. I like the idea of being able to diversify my skill set. Sure in a way to where i could i could use some of the stuff i'm learning about critical thinking skills or studying history and also you know my faith but also be able to study more about you know medicine and you know being able to kind of like become a little bit more interdisciplinary in that way
1: sure sure do it, so, it all you'll be yeah, for a li- long time I, do it all. I
0: want to do it all i i i like the idea of being able to know everything all the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: But it's a, I understand it's not going to happen. I look forward to the resurrection when I, you know, when that's going to happen. Hopefully, but
1: sure. The um, well, there, there will, there will be nothing that will teach you uh, more than just life in general. How very little you know, and how very little you can control. And get ready, if it hasn't happened to you, to you yet, man. There is nothing like I thought this was supposed to work this way, professionally, relationally, familially, whatever it is. And then you go, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm in control of so very little. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh so you're what year in school are you? Oh, I uh I think it depends on
0: who you ask.
1: Um Credits wise, let's go credits wise, what year in school credits
0: wise, I am maybe about we'll say 45
1: in. Okay. So that's like that's like sophomore almost junior, I think. Or yeah. Or maybe just over junior. Uh so you this podcast that you're doing weekly, monthly. Whenever you get around to so, it, so I've actually
0: stopped that podcast. What it is heck? worth mentioning? So I, I have ten episodes on that podcast. Like I said, you can find them on Fair's website if you just look up my name, or if you look up "By Studying by Faith," that's the name. Uh you you can find it on there. However, Fair is actually having me do another podcast with, aforementioned, Jennifer Roach, and also another really great gospel researcher and slash scholar, Sarah Allen. Maybe okay. Um, so I'm going to be doing a podcast with those two, and we're just going to be doing some stuff about church history. Uh, definitely keep an eye out for that.
1: Um, th- will it be seasonal or just like a 10 run thing? Or what are we thinking as far as that goes?
0: Uh, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of running into a, uh, we're kind of running like a little trial run here. We're going to be mm-hmm. like doing a deep dive into like a one historical topic. See if that gets some interest. Hopefully it's a little, uh, it, it's hopefully supposed to be a little less formal wherein we, we can all just kind of like talk about the sort of thing, but sure. we, we do interviews with scholars and we're, we're just trying to talk about uh, church history in ways that it, hopefully we might be able to answer a couple questions. Sometimes people have, but
1: any idea on name or launch on that?
0: Uh, you know, Richie, because I like you all. Oh, ahead here we go. The scoop. I like this. The, the name that we've worked with so far. Is uh-huh. me my shelf and die.
1: Oh, I love it. Right? That that is awesome. That is that is it perfect. is awesome. that and we're is... looking
0: at we're looking at maybe late February cool. when we'll have the first episode come out. We've already started recording. Um, but we're we're still trying to work out some of the kinks. So we're ke- definitely keep an eye out for that. I mean, you also get to look at me, and I think I'm awesome, but <laughs> the uh hopefully it'll be a really good experience for those who listen hopefully we'll be able to kind of learn a little bit more about some church history and talk a little bit about how even we as kind of normal people are able to do kind of some do some research become a little bit more informed and maybe help others along the way if we can
1: that's awesome. Well, what's nice about this is even though we're recording it not in late February, uh, it will likely come out in late February. So that uh, that aforementioned, maybe it's going to be me, myself, and I, which it better be. I can't think of a better name that you would ever come up with. Uh, search for that. If it comes out uh, and, and this is not yet published, we'll have that link to it in the show notes. So search there as well. Um, that would be awesome. There are three questions we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. Uh, I will ask those of you now. The first question is, is do you have a calling? And if so, what is it?
0: I do have a calling. I'm a Sunday school president.
1: Okay. How do you like that?
0: I like it. Basically, I get to teach whenever I want.
1: (laughs) Now, it used to be a fairly uh, hands off, but it seems like that calling more than, well, I don't know, I'd say maybe 50% of the callings in the church, that seems to be taking on more and more and changing than it has in the past. And in the past, it was like, make sure that the roles get passed out and that every class has a teacher. That's the Sunday school president. But now it's, it's, you know, making sure people know how to teach, stepping in and teaching, teaching, teach, teachers, how to teach all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So maybe a month ago I did a, a teacher council meeting where, and I was talking about like teaching in the Savior's lay, going through mm-hmm. that manual and, and talking about a couple of different things. And I'm probably going to have to do another one here in the next couple of weeks. And so I, I really enjoy it because if there's a topic I'm really passionate about, I can always like rework the schedule to make it so I get to teach something yeah. I'm super passionate about. Sure. And I also get to, you're right though, It is. it can be, you know, all of it is just kind of logistical stuff.
1: Sure. But necessary, just as necessary. Very necessary, else. yes. Uh, if you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick?
0: If there was such a calling wherein I got just to sit around and help people answer difficult questions, I would love that. Yeah, if I had to pick one, wherein it was one that did exist, I probably would pick seminary teacher. Okay, I I do like the idea of being able to teach the youth and kind of help all of us kind of learn and grow together because I I, I just think it's the the people that are younger than it, it, maybe this is sounding weird coming from me. But I was just going to say the irony
1: me, of you using the term the youth, but I'll go with it for the sake of. This that's fair. That's
0: fair. For the for the sake of discussion, bear with me. Yeah. Um, people. Like, People who are younger than me often can be just as insightful.
1: Yes. But we did discount them because of age, for sure.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't like being discounted because of my age. Heaven knows that happen, that's happened several times when I was on my mission, even since I've been off my mission.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I I think it's real when we when we take time to to listen to the youth, I think there's a lot that we can learn. And so yeah. that would be a really cool call.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. The final question we ask you to interpret it however you would like, but the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith?
0: I would say that my favorite part is that I it is very very focused on a relation uh, on relationships in the sense that it is a relationship with God and is a relationship with people and that my faith inspires me to love freely and to do good continually.
1: I love it. You can, uh, find, uh, me, myself, and I hopefully come on, let's call it that. And let's make that active and let's do it, uh, wherever you find podcasts and leave them reviews. If that, when it comes out, right, we'll make sure that we make a big deal out of it. If it's not out when this episode comes out, um, especially when, uh, podcasts are new, it does so much. If you listen to them and certainly rate them, but check it out and see what those three have to offer. That is a powerhouse. I don't know how you got to be so lucky to be able to to share microphones with those two. But that will be an amazing experience for people listening in. Uh, I can't wait to be able to to listen and to be able to have that. And then also, uh, I, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row,
0: we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall Show.